And Father, as we come to your word today, speak to us. Spirit of God, take these words and make them life. Speak into our hearts today what you want to say to each one of us. You know where we are with you. You know why you brought us here today. You know what you want to say. So Lord, speak as we listen. Listen for your voice. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We're looking together in the Gospel of Mark, and Mark's Gospel answers one real question. This is where the disciples were in the boat together, and they were going across the lake, and a storm came up, and they, Jesus was fast asleep. And they looked at Jesus, finally woke him up and said, Jesus, help us because we're about to drown. And Jesus gets up and he says, wave, wind, be still, be calm. And everything stopped. And they turned to one another in Mark 4, 41, and they said this. They were terrified, terrified at the power of Jesus Christ, at what he'd just done. And they asked each other, who is this? And Mark seeks to answer that question, really, who is Jesus? And it starts off with the the answer in in the very first verse, but it unpacks it as it goes through the whole gospel. It says, the beginning of the good news, Jesus is the one that brings the good news. About Jesus, he's the Messiah, the Savior, the one who has come to rescue the people, and he is the Son of God. But it really goes on to unpack that by saying that Jesus is the one who has authority. The whole of Mark's gospel speaks about the authority of Jesus, and as we've been looking together, we see that he has authority over different areas of our lives. In fact, it kind of continues, if you like, from the end of Matthew, where he gives us the authority to go out. He says, all authority has been given to me. Now go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus is the one with the authority. And we looked, first of all, that he has the authority over temptation. Right at the beginning of his ministry, he goes out into the wilderness and he's tempted. But unlike when the people of Israel were in the wilderness all those years before, they were tempted and they fell. Jesus was tempted, but he withstood the temptation. And he says, I can, because I can withstand temptation, he can help us. And it goes right back to the temptation that Adam and Eve felt in the Garden of Eden, right? With the, the apple and the snake and so on. But not, not only that, he then comes out, begins ministry. And in ministry, the first thing we read about in Mark's Gospel is that he not only has the authority to resist the temptation, but he has authority in the spiritual realm over the powers of evil that cause the temptation on us in the first place. Evil tends to want to tempt us away from the pathway that God would have for us, want us to pull away from the good things and go off in a different direction. And Jesus says to the man with the evil spirit who's in the temple, be silent and come out of this man. And Jesus has that authority to cast out all the evil, evil spirits out of people over the source of our temptation. And then last time we looked that Jesus not only does that, but he has the authority in the physical realm as well over the sicknesses that go on in our bodies. And he says, and he goes around and he, he, his ministry is one of healing the sick in all its various forms. And he tells his disciples and he tells his followers, tells us to go and continue that ministry. He says, go and heal the sick, cast out demons and tell them the kingdom of God is near. 
And he does that to the 12, he does that to the 72, and he continues to do that in ministry, and we see that as it continues. Today we're going to carry on in our reading of Mark, Mark chapter 2, beginning at verse 13, and we're going to look at a different area where Jesus has the authority. It says this, Once again Jesus went out beside the lake, and a large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them, and as he walked along... He saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now John's disciples and and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came and asked Jesus, How is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Jesus answered, how can the guests of a bridegroom fast while he's with them? Imagine going to a wedding, and they say, hey, guys, after the wedding, we're going to fast. Exactly. How, how, he says, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day, they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. Thanks be to God for his reading today. Jesus has authority over our futures, over the pathways that he is calling us to follow. Jesus said two words to Levi, didn't he? Here he is. Picture the scene. Levi's sitting there, a little bit like Enica will be sitting out there afterwards, right, by her tax collector's booth, collecting the money that we promised her for the run, right? He's sitting there, and what does he say? Jesus comes along and says, Levi, follow me. That's it. And Levi, Matthew's whole world, future changes in that instance. The direction that he was going in his life suddenly changes to become a completely new direction. Because Jesus has that authority in our future, as we will see today. It says in verse 14, as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me. Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. And we know from the accounts in the Gospels, Jesus did this wherever he went, didn't he? There were guys fishing, Peter, James, John. He said, leave your nets, come follow me. They left their nets, right? Every time where he called people, he said the same thing, just follow me. And that's what they did. And their futures changed. But let's look at it together. What does really involve when we're asked to follow. (laughs) 
What really changes when we follow Jesus? Elaine, come out the front. Follow me. First thing that changes is geography, right? I've just called Elaine out the front, and she's followed. Because, no, I won't go there. Because I asked her. Let's just leave it at that. Right? Follow me. So what changes? Well, firstly, the position, right? You cannot stay in your seat and follow. True? Right? Matthew had to leave his tax collector's booth and go somewhere different. If we're going to follow Jesus Christ, you cannot stay in the same place. Right? It's impossible. Are you... Are you okay. Elaine, sit down. Have a seat there. Joan, you follow me now. She's laughing for some reason. That, that's just fatal in this place. I know he's Matthew. But just because you happen to be named Matthew, you're not the Levi, and you're not a tax collector. So you're all right. You're safe. Okay. Okay, Elaine, Joan. All right, you're let off now. Okay. Joan, follow me. Right now, you have to follow, right? So you have to go to a new place. It's not the same place where you were before. And you have to follow wherever the person is leading you, correct? Correct? Right? So she's following. She doesn't know where I'm going. I don't even know where I'm going. So, but she is faithfully following on behind because I just said, follow me, right? So I could do anything, really, couldn't I? I could get up on the chairs and say, hey, follow me, right? Let's go this way. Right? Follow me. Follow me. What is that? It changes your position. Right? When Jesus says, follow me, you can't stay in the same place. Now, many of us would want to, don't we? We like the place where we're in. Matthew was there going... Just hold on a sec, right? Matthew was there. Oh, hey, I've got a good job here, right? I'm raking it in. Things are going well for me. Why can't I just, why can't I go when it's more convenient to go? Why can't I just follow when I fancy following, but actually keep what I'm doing? It doesn't work that way. You can't stay where you are and follow at the same time, right? You have to make a decision. Do you follow or do you stay? The second thing that changes is your focus. Have a look at these people. Right? You're with me now. Now, your whole perspective has changed from when you were sitting back where Elaine is sitting now, right? Before, you were looking at the back of Matthew's head. Now, you're looking at the front, right? Which, honestly, is probably better than the back, right? <laughs> you're welcome. It's better that way around than the other way around, okay? Try to be generous. All right? You have a different perspective, Right? You can't follow someone and keep the same, what are you doing? Same perspective, right? We can come back here, we can see Matthew in close-up, right? Okay, we won't say if it's better from further away or closer up, okay? Right? We, we, can, we can go, we can see, you see different things when you follow. Because your focus and your perspective is different, Right? So when you follow Jesus, you're going to see things in a different way. When 
When Jesus said to Matthew, Levi, let's call him Levi, right? The jeans man. When he said to Levi, get up and follow, Levi, what he had to leave all his books and his ledgers and his money and everything else, and he saw a different, completely different perspective. A different perspective on life, a different perspective on looking at things through Jesus. He experienced different things in his walk after that moment that he would have experienced before, right? Because he accepted that challenge to follow. Just in the same way that Joan is now seeing you in a completely different light than just sitting in your seat. You get to see them as I see them, right? Scary, isn't it? That's the second thing. The third thing is this. Come on. I never had this trouble at the 9.30 service. Anyway, the third thing is there's a, different, there's a realization of yourself. Now, when Joan comes and stands up here with me, she not only sees things in a different way, but when you follow Jesus it causes you to feel different, right? You're now up here leading the sermon. You take over the sermon. Good morning, everyone. So what does it feel like to really follow Jesus? Any answers? That's really good, thanks. Very good. Awesome. You can tell she's, that's the teaching way of doing it, isn't it? Throw it open to everybody else. What I'm saying is that when you meet with Jesus, right, it does something to you too. Do you remember when, when Peter was asked to follow? What happened? Jesus said, cast your nets over the other side of the boat. And every fish in the Sea of Galilee jumped into their nets. Do you remember? you remember what Peter did? He dived out of his boat. And he went to the shore. And what did he say to Jesus? He fell on his knees before Jesus. And he said, get away from me. Because I am a sinful man. His whole perspective of who he was changed. Right? When, you, when, when I asked Joan to lead, right? That was unfair. Right? But the whole perspective about, oh, my days, I've got to teach them now, changes. If I was to ask you next Sunday to preach the sermon, your week would be radically different. Your perspective would change. You would be mining. I'll give you the passage of Scripture, and you would be mining it all week. What am I going to say? How am I going to do this? How is it going to happen, right? Your perspective changes. Think about, um, what about Isaiah? Do you remember Isaiah when he's called by God? What happens? He goes, he meets with God, and what happens? He suddenly goes, woe is me. He calls curses on himself, right? Woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live a, among a people of unclean lips. And God takes the coal out of the fire, and he goes and he touches his mouth, and he purifies it through the burning, and that symbolism of it, right? And then he says, now you're ready to be sent. When you, when you accept the call to follow, it changes not only your perspective, you see things differently, but it changes you. You see yourself in a different light. Because you come into the very presence of God. 
You come and you, you sit at Jesus' feet and you, you see the holiness and the glory and the, the majesty of who Christ is. And when you see that, you see yourself against it and you go, oh my goodness, what am I? who am I? I thought I had things pretty much together, but I don't. I see Jesus and I see who he is and it makes me feel I'm a sinner. I'm so far from what I could be or should be. God, help me. Help me. I need salvation. I need Christ. And when you follow Christ, there's that realization that comes of who you are. Jesus said in verse 17, not come to call the righteous, I've come to call the sick and the sinners to repentance, right? There's that recognition. Fourthly, your lifestyle changes. You can't do the things that you used to do. Think about Levi. His whole lifestyle changed in that moment, right? He left everything. His job changed. His relationships changed. Everything about him changed. And when we accept that call to follow Christ, everything within us changes. It was like when, when I got married many decades ago now. What happened? I stood there in church with my wife next to me. I was on this side. She was on this side in traditional fashion. And we made covenant commitments to each other. We went out of that church different, right? I was no longer David the bachelor that could do anything he fancied doing. I was no longer the David that could lead, leave all his clothes all over the house, leave his room in a complete pigsty, do the washing up whenever he felt like doing the washing up, generally be a typical 20-year-old bachelor, right? All of a sudden, I'd made a commitment to someone, and everything had to change. Because it was no longer me, it was us. And Inika had to change because it was no longer just her, it was us. And so things had to change. When we follow Christ... We have to change. Hang on. I need my clicker. Come with me. Right? Things change. Things change because it's no longer just about me. Or no longer just about Joan. It's about Joan with Christ. Right? And Christ is going to be looking after you and nurturing you and helping you and protecting you. But you... You need to stay close to Christ, right? Wherever he goes, whatever he does, your lifestyle changes. Now, one thing. Who changes the lifestyle? You do. Too often in, in church life, you'll get people pointing a finger at you saying, hey, this needs to change, this needs to change, and this needs to change. Hey, I know what Joan does on a Friday night. Not good, right? You're all wondering now, aren't you? <laughs> right? You shouldn't be doing that. Don't, don't let anybody tell you what you should and shouldn't do, right? Everybody has different things that they need to change, right? Some people, you should give up alcohol and never touch another drop of that Jamaican stuff that you love to drink. Right? Now, if God tells you to do that, do it. Because it's stopping your relationship. It's stopping you following him. But if I tell you, Joan, I think you're, you know, 
You wait for God to tell you. Don't, don't let other people tell you, you know, all the men in this church should be as bald as me, right? Otherwise, you're not godly, right? Nonsense. You know what I'm saying, right? Too often we're ready to point our finger. Jesus says, take the log out of your own eye before you take the speck out of others. Don't let people tell you. Let Christ tell you. He will tell you what's getting in the way of your following, right? Don't, other people can be helpful, don't get me wrong. I don't say don't listen to them, but don't always just take on board what they say all the time. Say, is this what God is saying is really important in my life right now? Is this what he wants me to deal with? Because I've found over the years that I've been following Christ, he, he focuses on a different thing all the time. And when I get that done, he'll show me something else and something else and something else. Because he wants me to grow in that holiness, right? Don't let other people just tell you, you know, you're a sinner because you do this and you do this and you do this. Let Christ do it. Let the word of God do it. Lifestyle. Last thing that changes is your heart. Lifestyle, verse 21. You can't put a, a new patch on old garments, right? It rips, it tears. You have, to, you have to mend it properly. Last thing, your heart changes. Follow me. Last thing is your heart changes, right? You can't put new wine into old wineskins. Why not? Because the wine and the wineskin becomes one. They grow and they develop together. And when Christ, when we accept that challenge to follow Christ, that's when the new wine comes in us and everything changes. That's what baptism is all about. The old goes in and the new comes out, right? It's that moment where we have that new wine in the new wineskin and it starts to ferment. So you cannot, you cannot carry on doing the old things, living the old way and thinking that I'm going to follow Christ. It doesn't work. The reality of it is this. Jesus invites each one of us to follow him. But you have a choice. You follow him or you don't follow him. There's no middle ground. You either follow me or you don't follow me. Right? There's no middle ground. Either Joan is following me or not following me. Sometimes we follow Christ and then we veer off our own way. Is she still following me? No. Right? Let's stop pretending that we're still following Christ because we're not. To follow Christ is to keep following, sticking right behind Jesus Christ in our life every step of the way. He doesn't let us stop. He doesn't let us sit down. He doesn't let us go our own way. And if we do go our own way, what do we have to do? We repent, we turn around, and we come back. Right? That's what it means to follow Christ. What does he say? Okay, I'll come on to this. You know why it's so hard to follow Christ? This is, thank you, by the way. Give Joan a big round of applause. And Elaine earlier. Thank you. I might call on you again. I just, you know. You know why it's so hard to follow Christ? What's the opposite of love? Hate is one, but that's not the only opposite. What else? I'll tell you. 
control. You cannot love and have control. Isn't that true? You show me two people that love one another and you have control, right? I cannot control Jesus Christ. And Jesus doesn't control me. He loves me. And he says, follow. Now, for me to follow, what does it mean? You lose control. Hey, actually, Joan, come out again. For Joan to follow me, what does she have to do? She goes wherever I go, right? Except when she's disobedient and doesn't walk across the chest, right? She goes wherever I go. For Joan to say, I love Christ, means that she has to go wherever Christ calls her to go. You voluntarily give up control. So you're not saying, I'm going to go my own way, or I'm going to go your way if I like where you're going. You just say, I will go where you go. Right? Thank you. You see, the opposite of love is control, right? I cannot, cannot follow Christ and have control. They're incompatible. Jesus, what did he do? He gave up control. The cross is the greatest symbol of Jesus ever giving up control, isn't it? He handed himself over to the control of humanity who crucified him. And he said what on the cross? He said, you know what? He basically said, I've done everything my father has asked me to do. It's finished. Jesus, when he came to earth, when he ministered on earth, what did he do? He just did the will of the Father 24-7, right? He didn't do what he wanted to do. He didn't go where he wanted to go. He didn't minister in the way he wanted to minister. He just did what his Father told him to do. And he calls us to do the same. And that is hard. Why? Because I love control. Don't you? Honestly? All of us love control. We work so hard at maintaining control because I think if I have control, if I can kind of manipulate the people around me, if I can get them to, to give me what I need and what I want, I can, you know, then I'm going to be okay. I'm safe when I have control. And the scariest thing we ever do and the costliest thing we ever do is give control to someone else that you trust Someone else enough to give them the control of your life. But that is what love is. Agape love is giving control, right? Not my will, but your will be done. And it's hard. Don't minimize how hard it is. It's so easy for us to say, yeah, I follow Christ. And never give him control really means we're not following, right? We cannot follow Christ and maintain control. Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, whoever wants to be my disciple, read this out with me, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Say it again. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. What does he mean? He means every single day you say, I am going to love you and follow you 
And it's not my will, but your will. It's not my decisions, but your decisions. It's not where I want to go, it's where you want me to go. Every day, follow. Jesus said in John 15, the vine and the branches, if you keep my commands. In other words, if you go where I'm going to go, you do what I'm telling you to do, you follow me, then you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. He doesn't ask us to do anything he hasn't already done, right? He is our example. Jesus, one of the ministries of Jesus was to follow exactly the Father's commands so that he has the right to call you and me to do the same. Amen? That's what he's asking of us. You see, it's all or nothing. It's what I'm trying to say to you. You can love God, but Jesus says, follow me. And to follow him, it's an all or nothing decision. Are you going to follow him? Or not? And that means you have to daily wake up and say, today I am choosing to follow you. Get my will and my feelings and my emotions and everything else into line. Because today, God, I choose to follow you. And I'm going to do the same thing tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. And I'm going to keep on choosing and fighting to follow you. Because it's a daily thing that we have to do. You can't just do it once and think you're following. Because you know what happens? You'll start following and then you'll veer off into your own little safety net. And then you go, oops, I've done it again. I better turn around and come back. And then you come back and you go veering off again. Because yourself and your own emotions are so strong. Your own will is so strong. And you've got the enemy working at pulling you away all the time. Jesus is there just beckoning each one of us, follow me. It's an all or nothing decision. There's no getting away from it. The Bible says it over and over and over again. And when you follow, that is the beginning of realizing the plan God has for you. God has an amazing plan for every single one of us. He has it already prepared. And I believe when we get to heaven, when we meet with Christ face to face, he'll show you the whole plan, the whole thing of where you could have gone with him if you'd have said yes. That's what he'll show. Jesus is the only one who ever followed the plan to completion. The rest of us, it'll all be short. But he has an amazing plan for you. He has every resource that he needs to give to you to make that plan a reality. What he asks you is every day, are you going to follow the plan or go your own way? What are you going to do? Every day, every moment, you're going to follow the plan or you're going to go your own way? What are you going to do? In other words, do you trust me? Do you trust God to follow his plan? He will reveal it to you, but do you trust him? Ephesians 2, he says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He had it all laid out for you. He already knew what he wants you to do. He knows the plans. Philippians 2, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. He's got a good purpose for every single one of us. He wants to pour his grace into you and through you into others. 
It's all there prepared. Are you going to follow? And the most common one, Jeremiah 29 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. How many times do we quote this? I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They only come into operation, these promises, when you agree to follow. The following comes first. Then the promises become a reality. You don't follow, forget the promises. They're not yours. The promises come a reality when you follow. It's true for everybody that you read about in the pages of Scripture. Abraham, leave where you are in the Earl of the Chaldees, come to a place I'm going to show you. Then the promises started to happen and come true in his life. Right? Paul, on the Damascus Road, has the experience, then the promises start to be a reality in his life. You know, Peter, the same, the promises start to be a reality. And it's true in the history of the church ever since. I know the plans, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Remember Jesus in his high priestly prayer, he says, not one of them has been lost. They've all been, I've been looking after them except the one that was destined to be lost. He says, because I know the plans and I've kept them safe and I've worked with them and I've matured them and it's all happened. Psalm 139, your eyes, God's eyes, saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. He has it all planned out. The question is, are you following? Are you following? And don't be too quick to answer that. Are you following? Are you following the plans? Did you wake up this morning and say, today, Lord, I'm going to deny myself and I'm going to take up my cross and follow you? That needs to be our prayer every day. That needs to be in our minds all the time. Help me today, Lord, to follow you, to deny myself, take up my cross and follow. Help me to do it today. I don't want to go my own way today. I want to follow you today. I want to realize everything you have for me that has been written and ordained in the book of life for me today. Help me to realize that. Lord, I want to follow you. Are you following? You see, Jesus has authority over your future. The question is, are you following? He gives you the freedom to choose because he loves you. And love gives choice. The opposite of love is control. God doesn't control you. He gives you freedom to choose, right? It's your choice. It's your call. And he says, please, come, follow me. He didn't say Matthew. Didn't pick him up and say, you are coming with me, mate. You're arrested. No choice. He said, Matthew, follow me. Paul, Peter, follow me. David, follow me. John, follow me. You know, Tim, follow me. Jenny, follow me. Enika, follow me. He says it to us all. Follow him. And then the whole plan that he has for you, the promises he has for you become a reality in your life. Are you following? Every year we pray this prayer. It's on our covenant cards. If you haven't got a covenant card, I've got some spares here. You can take it. But this is the prayer to pray every day. Look at the words. I am no longer my own, but yours. What does that say? It says, Lord, get my will out of the way, and I want to follow you. 
right? Your will, not mine, be done in all things, wherever you may place me, in all that I do, and in all that I may endure, when there's work for me today and when there's none, when, when I'm troubled today or when I'm at peace, your will be done. When I'm valued today and people say nice things or when I'm disregarded and they just walk all over me today. When, when I do something today and I find fulfillment in it or when I do things today and I just think at the end of the day, what a waste of time. When I have everything and it's just one of those amazing days and when I have nothing and I'm on empty, I willingly offer all I have and am to serve you as and where you choose. You pray that every day, you'll be following him. If you haven't got one of those cards, you can take them with, a, with this prayer on it. Put it somewhere prevalent at home, and when you wake up in the morning, pray that prayer every day. Say, Lord, today I choose to follow you. Whatever comes today, I'm going to follow you. You know why? Because he has an amazing plan for each one of us. A plan that is so full of blessing that we wouldn't even believe. For ourselves and for others around us. He's going to give you all the gifts that he's promised you in Galatians 5. The fruits of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit that he's promised you to be successful in the plans that he's given to you. There is, he never expects a plan for you that you and the Holy Spirit together will not accomplish and be victorious in. And he's dying for you to accept the challenge so that you can realize everything. Psalm 31 says, but I am trusting you, O Lord, saying you are my God. My future is in your hands. I want you to think for a moment. Can you play, Phil, for me, please? Thank you. I want you to think for a moment. Are you really following Jesus today? Maybe you have done in the past and you've gone off a little bit and actually you're just doing your own thing. Today is the day where he's inviting you and he says, hey, come back, follow me. That's what grace is all about. He he's not going to criticize you. He's not going to pull you down. He's just going to say, you know what, I'm here and my hands are out and I'm saying, come and follow me. I'm waiting for you. Let me draw you back to the right pathway and we can just keep on going. And I'll never bring it up again. I just, I just long for you to have everything I have in store for you. It's just amazing and I want it to be yours. I've come that you might have life and have it in abundance, but to do that, you need to follow. You need to follow me. Or maybe you're just sitting in the chair and you've never followed. Today, when you come to the cross, when you kneel before Jesus Christ and his cross, to say, Lord, today I want to be, I want to follow you. I just want to follow you. I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know what you're going to do in my life. I don't even know. But today, let me just follow you. I was 17 years of age when I made that decision, when I said, Lord, I have no idea what this really means, but
let me trust you, let me get out of where I am. I just say, okay, Lord, lead me wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, that's what I'll do. Follow him. And if you're right behind him and you're following today, praise the Lord. Say, thank you, Jesus. Keep me there. Keep me following you. And use me, flow through me as I'm following you. That I may be an encouragement to others, that I may help others if, if they may be struggling a little bit, that we're in this vast army of people that's following. Thank you. Help me to make sure that I'm following tomorrow and the next day, all week, all year. That 2020 will be the best year of following you because every day I will wake up and choose to follow. So let's come and gather around this table. Jesus said, He is the bread of life and the cup of salvation. He is the one who can forgive us every time we go wrong. He is the one who can bring us back, not, not with not with criticism or disappointment here, just with love. And Lord, as we eat and as we drink today, we remember the love that you have for each one of us. For God so loved the world, so loved me,
us come back. Jesus, Jesus, be the center. So we have that constant reminder, not from outside, but from inside. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. It is my blood of the new covenant, shed for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. So that anything that, that you do or you will do that, that gets in the way of that following can be forgiven. He said, do this to remember. Jesus, as we come out today, we come and say, I want to follow you. Thank you. In Christ's name.